Hello. Who's that wonderful girl? Could she be any cuter? <laughs> Who's that wonderful girl? Oh, how are you, my love? I'm great. I've been singing that to my partner in the mornings because he doesn't doesn't like getting up. I sang it this morning. We both loved. Oh my god, that does feel like a very um, you and him coded thing. I can imagine that that was kind of like fitting in your Sylvanian family world. He's an extremely snoozy boy. He he can he can lie in. Yeah. That boy. And he's very he's so sweet when he does he's adorable. You don't want to disturb. See when I'm snoozing, Nick just comes in and like crash bang wallops everything, opens every cupboard, turns on every light. I'm there like Ugh. Yeah. I'm I'm actually quite nice, you know, when I wanna be. This is the thing, when I wanna be. There's a whole <laughs> When you have to something me. to gain from it. <laughs> hey, I don't want me to go and get you a croissant from the shop. A croissant? Is that okay? I'm going to get you a little question. <laughs> <laughs> I feel at the minute in Doki Who Land, I am just having the best time. Yeah. I'm truly having the loveliest time. I looked at my calendar today and the week of, I think, like the 20th, the week of like the anniversary and the specials, I think it's been one of the best weeks of my life. <laughs> like, I actually, <laughs> it's I never going to get better. No, my, my colleagues at my actual job, which pays me money, um, put in a team dinner for the night of the 22nd. And I was like, oh, that's nice, because I've actually already booked off the 23rd <laughs> annually <laughs> in anticipation of it being a big day. But then you remembered. And, well, I was like, oh, great, I'm free on the 22nd. Nah, uh, <laughs> I think it's probably like the biggest ever night in a London-based Doki Who fans calendar ever it's literally the event of the sea like the war we're talking about gallifrey cabaret for anyone who yeah. wasn't aware like the no. war to get these tickets i remember i saw them post it saying that they were dropping the tickets and i, I waited maybe 30 minutes or something all mm. of them had sold out all had sold out i had to wait for the second release of tickets and i remember reese who's one of the co-founders of the event messaged me as soon as i put the order and just like well done <laughs> you <Yeah>. got them <laughs> it, i mean honestly it's it's worth the hype they are the loveliest people so mm -hmm. talented so brilliant we're very very lucky to have them on our pod actually um yeah no we are a long time ago now and um we've said this before but when we approached them to like to interview i was so like i don't think they're even gonna reply like i was like <laughs> it's gonna be a no it's gonna be a no it's gonna be a no um so yeah that's gonna be a big night and then i've got my my episode of bargain hunt is on bbc one funny enough oh my god yeah this got announced um, more than a week ago now. This this was announced like on the socials, like TV Zone and that. I picked up on it ages ago because they they really follow the TV listings and all that news, which is, mm. I don't know who's behind that, but like good for them. And <laughs> I just got an email tonight, like an hour ago from Bargain Hunt, like, good news, there's a date. Like, we're going to air on the 20th. I'm like, I, no, I, I know. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> I'm aware. It's already something that's on the Hulala socials. Yeah, it's already, I'm promoing it harder than you are. So really, really excited for that. That's in the middle of the day. If anyone wants to watch along and tweet at Pod if they're watching Bargain Hunt with us <laughs> um, on the 23rd of November, one advanced apology i want to make about that a little bit of a speaking my truth moment is we oh were God. corralled into um answering the question so like what do they call a group of doctor who fans and i was like we're whovians like they 
they made me say it. They made oh, me God. say, "Where they Hoovians? really pulled that out of you." They really pulled that out of me, and I I heard that there was discourse on Twitter years ago. We we've only been like on Doki Who Twitter for like a year or so. People really mm. didn't like being called Hoovians. I didn't even know this. Really? Some oh my God, no, I've been calling it. myself a Hoovian since like 2005. Well, that's more well, maybe that's it. At some point, I think it fell out of fashion. Oh, well, I missed that memo. So let me say now, if you don't like to self-identify as a Hoovian, I just, I'm, I've labelled you, I'm afraid. It's happened. It's too late. Well, one thing that I'm happy to self-label as a Hoovian is someone who participated in the Dr. Donathon that happened yes. this week. Yes. And that was a barrel of fun. Did you watch any of the episodes when they were on? No, I actually had a full day. Oh, fake fan? Fake fan? I had a full, you know what I had? Full day of fresh air. How about that, huh? <laughs> How about that? I can't I say s- the same. <laughs> I saw sunlight. I won't go as far as saying I touch grass. I was outdoors with, with other people, which was nice. Um, wow, the way that you're saying that is so shady. <laughs> wow, I was I, outdoors with other people, which was nice. Uh, I'm saying it out you of a place like of jealousy. You sound like the worst. I'm saying, it, I'm saying it out of a place of jealousy because like, neither of us are that far away from the cinema where it all went down. And I, I just think that would have been the most incredible day. Like I was, I was messaging people who were there, and I was like, oh, "Are you having the best time ever? Like, oh, well, how's the crowd?" Um, and <laughs> you were having a fantastic time. I've seen pictures of you. You were drinking um, blue screwdriver blue cocktails. cocktails. Yeah, no, Beth Axford, lovely Beth of this podcast, uh, was hosting a viewing party at hers, and I went around. I didn't do the whole thing because she lives about an hour and a half from me on public transport and um so it was quite i'm not gonna like out where either of our addresses are but it's quite the <laughs> trek so i was like i think it starts at like quarter past nine or something the runaway bride and i, and I was like i can't i can't commit That's to that time so odd. i still got there fairly early i turned up during planet of the Ood, um and then i stayed i couldn't stay until the very end of the day again journey home mm-hmm. so i i left during midnight i think so i got like a good chunk of most that's of that's a pretty it. good chunk but it was so lovely it's just so nice this just makes me more excited for the 60 specials and to watch them with doctor who fans mm. because there's something about watching something that you care so much about with other people who care as much about it as you do and like you all get all the same little like references and you'll catch the same things but then every so often someone will say something someone else didn't know so i can't remember like me what it was but i um, said someone, I was like, oh, did you know that? And I said something and one of the people at the viewing party was like, oh my God, I just love that I can be, you know, 15 plus years into having seen this and I'm still finding out little yeah. nuggets of information like that. And um, yeah, we made um, Sonic Screwdrivers inspired by the screwdriver cocktail. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> I see. Which was cute. It I didn't were, know that was already yeah. a cocktail. Yeah, well, to be fair, we actually didn't follow a screwdriver recipe at all. We very much made it up. It ended up being uh, white rum, cloudy lemonade, and blue curico, which kind of gives it like a glowing blue colour, which I definitely think we should um, put onto our future viewing party cocktail list. It was actually really tasty. Absolutely, Um, absolutely. But yeah, it was lovely. David was there, who was on the pod last week, um, having having a wonderful time. Uh, but yeah, it was it was really, really fun. I'm re- it made me very oh. excited for the specials. I'm really, really, really looking forward to it. And I think it's nice that they did a kind of watch-along, rewatch marathon as well, because that's where apparently like a lot of the inspiration for David Tennant and Catherine Tate to come back came from. Was yeah, from like the COVID watch-alongs. Exactly. Like the COVID watch-alongs, I really think are in like no small part responsible for this whole, I don't want to go as far as say like, you know, I don't want to say revival as if kind of like the show was, you know, completely obsolete. 
but it, <laughs> of this whole new era of Doctor Who um, has had a huge hand in it. I did such a bad tweet the other day. It got so bad. Oh my God, you, no, you didn't do a bad tweet. It, tell, well, tell the story, I did. but I'm going to defend you to the end. So I worded a tweet so clumsily and so badly. And this is my, again, speaking my truth moment. My, um, <laughs> <laughs> this is my influencer apology. My second one of the episode. Um, oh my God. <laughs> where <laughs> These are only going to get more frequent, I think, as, as time goes on. Um, so the new, oh, this has happened since the last episode. The new Hooniverse banner came out. Oh yeah. And I was like, oh my God. Because it's it's deliberately, I think, like it's very Marvel-esque. And it looks excellent. And it's all, you know, part of the whole like Disney Plus, you know, strategy and the RTD strategy to have lots of like spin-offs and new content coming out of the show. And I tweeted something like, oh, it's so crazy to see your favorite show in the world go from. And what I meant by this is like a point of relative to now where Doctor Who is trending every day to relatively mm. during like the covid years doctor who was not i think there wasn't a great like public awareness of when doctor who was on or what the current story of the week was or you know who the current yeah. companions were played by i said relative obscurity and that it was more obscure than it is now where it's very much launching back into being like a household name like it was in 2008 and 2009 yeah some people will disagree with that in itself which is fine people took that to mean and I specifically said in the tweet, over the last two years, that feels like that's changed. But people read that to mean that I thought Doctor Who, as a franchise, until the last two years, is a relatively <laughs> obscure show. And I had, like, loads of likes from people Girl. who got it. And then it had, like, a hundred quote retweets that I'd muted and not seen <laughs> from people like, you'll never guess, like, what show this guy's calling relatively obscure. And then people being like, bro, it's Doctor Who. And be like, you must be tripping. Someone was like, ah, yes, my favourite indie show, dot, 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 Doctor <laughs> Who. And I was like, oh my God, I'm getting dragged online. And I messaged you because you were like, oh my God, your tweet's really going off. And I, was, I read all the quote retweets. I was like, oh God, Sam, this has ruined my whole morning. You're like, they hate me, they hate me. I was like, I need to lock my account. Like, what do I do? <laughs> I'm so stressed. I was like, oh I was God. like, it's never that deep. It's never that deep. It's never that deep, but... Oh my God, people were absolutely roasting me. I accidentally created a pylon by trying to be enthusiastic about the show. So I must, I mean, to be honest, it's been overdue. It's taken over a year so far to get to that stage. Um, but it, anyway, <laughs> well, the I'll still defend you to the end of the earth. Thanks, King. The other exciting thing that happened to me this week was um, B&M released some new Daleks. And I've never been a B&M Dalek mm. collector. I've had very limited Doctor Who merch in recent years. There, <laughs> there actually was more to collect than I realized. So I don't want to... I've made a few mistakes in previous episodes. Oh, you are preaching merch. to the choir. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I, I have a history. <laughs> I said something so bad as well. We did an episode about merch. And I was like, yeah, I feel like... Um, I feel like Doctor Who merch isn't that expensive. I feel like it doesn't really go up in value in the same way that other... Doctor Who merch. I mean, if you want to buy a 13th Doctor's TARDIS on eBay right now, you are looking at shelling out a sweet 90 to 100 pounds, I think. Some people are selling the box without a TARDIS in it for 20 quid. And I was like, you're joking. Oh my God. So, helpfully, you can only buy some of this new merch from B&M stores in person, mm. which is a whole other thing. So I went on a trek this week to <laughs> Tottenham, which I live tweeted because... Everyone wanted that experience, and I did manage to get hold of two Daleks, which I'm so excited about. Um, let me hold up so you can see it as well. I mean, they are they are gorgeous. Look at these. They I mean, are gorgeous. I mean, oh my god, look at that matte finish. 
so pretty. Now, unfortunately, they didn't have the um, the other set, which is the Time War Daleks. God knows where I'm going to put these, by the way. They are like, they are truly such salt and pepper shakers. <laughs> oh my God, you need to make them salt and pepper shakers. <laughs> they should be salt and pepper shakers. Um, I just think they're so dinky. I just think they're mm-hmm. absolutely adorable. But the hunt involved, the funny part of this story is because people are running to B&M stores to sweep these up and put them on eBay and sell them at three times the price, um, which they're doing, by the way. Small was selling 11 sets of these. You could only buy it as a set of 11 boxes for oh my God. £480. So you didn't even get a <laughs> discount for doing that. Um, I got to the checkout and the woman there pulled down her mask and she looked at me like... <laughs> and she was like, have you already bought these? And I was like, no, I haven't. <laughs> she was like, a lot of people have been in here lately look like you. <laughs> I, like, I feel like that's a read. And um, It feels like it's a read. Security Guard Expert was fully like, like you piece of shit. Trying to buy Dalek. <laughs> like, you think you can trying to nick these Daleks. You're trying to get my Dalek. <laughs> anyway, that was my funny story. Anyway, it took a good 40 minutes to get home with these. Great fun. Great fun. But mission success. Mission success would do again, probably. You can come with me next time. <laughs> well, talking about Daleks, oh. there is very, very few of a Doctor episode that I would like to talk about that involves such creatures beyond Series 4, Episode 12, The Stolen Earth. <gasps> Where's it gone? Where's it gone? We don't know. It's been taken. <laughs> Can't find it. My dog's locked in Costa. <laughs> My dog's locked in fucking Costa. Excellent. Well, The Stolen Earth came out on the 28th of June 2008, which I always forget how long ago this was. I remember vividly, I was finishing year six and was going on a residential trip for like a week. And I came back and the Radio Times had arrived for that upcoming week and had a picture of like Rose, Martha and Donna on the cover. And I was like, oh my God, it's just amazing. Oh. Very, very exciting. It was directed by Graham Harper and written by Russell T. Davies. Uh, the viewership for this episode was 8.78 million, which at the time was the highest ever recorded viewership for an episode of Doctor Who, uh, which is insane, but also not surprising given that it is the Avengers Endgame of Doctor Who. Um, and it has an INDB score of 9 out of 10, which I think is ridiculously low because it should be 10 out of 10. Oh, I feel that. I do feel that. It's crazy because I know the way that we consume television has really changed and so much of what we watch now is on catch up and on demand and not live tv anymore um Mm. it's so wild now i think to imagine like almost nine million people sitting down to watch an episode of doc 2 at the same time and maybe that's the kind of numbers we'll see again for like the 60th and beyond i don't know i don't know it's gonna work with iplayer and stuff because we're gonna watch it like we'll watch it when it's on yeah but we're gonna watch it on iPlayer, on iPlayer Live. I think they'll be able to count how many people are on the live watch live stream. I hope that counts towards in. the watch, like the viewership number, because we we shall be sat. We shall be sat. Well, for anyone who didn't partake in the Dr. Jonathan like yourself, or maybe hasn't seen this episode recently, here is a quick recap of The Stolen Earth. After receiving a warning from Rose Tyler, the Earth mysteriously vanishes. For those still on Earth, they see planets appear in the sky to the horror of a local milkman, Martha Jones, Sarah Jane Smith and Torchwood. Unable to locate the planet, a desperate Doctor and Donna seek help from the Shadow Proclamation, the Galactic Police Force. They discover that 27 planets are missing, taken out of time as well as space. Entering the missing planets into a computer, they also discover that they align into a natural pattern when placed near each other. Back across space, a powerful new Dalek empire led by their creator Davros and a jazzy red supreme Dalek is taking control of the Earth. 
Davros, believed to have been killed during the Time War, was in fact saved by Dalek Khan. Dalek Khan was one of the Cult of Skaro, think back to Series 2. He managed to breach the Time Lock around the Time War to retrieve Davros. This cost him his sanity, but also gave him precognitive abilities. Ooh. Now, the Doctor's former companions, all of which have previous experience with the Daleks, come together to stop the Daleks, including Rose, who's travelled back from a parallel world. Harriet Jones contacts Martha, Captain Jack and Sarah Jane through a secret subwave network. Rose can't join because Sylvia's laptop lacks a webcam, believing them to be naughty. The team realise that they can contact the Doctor using the power of the Rift and Mr Smith to force every phone network in the world to call the same number at the same time. This exposes Harriet's location, however, causing her heroic death when the Daleks intercept the transmission. The Doctor locates Earth hidden within a pocket of time, a second out of sync with the rest of the universe. Upon entering, he's able to communicate with his former companions, all except for Rose. Davros soon interrupts, taunting the Doctor. The Doctor makes his way to Earth, and Rose locks onto the TARDIS's location. Just as they're about to finally reunite in an abandoned street, a Dalek shoots the Doctor. Jack comes to the rescue, killing the Dalek, and helps carry the Doctor into the TARDIS, where he begins his inevitable regeneration. Rose and Donna watch on in tears as they prepare to say goodbye to the man they know. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Cliffhanger of all cliffhangers. I mean, what? we'll get to it, but cliff ha what, tell you what, you know the, the, the cliff, the edge of the cliff? I was hanging off it. Hanging off That's it. That's where I was. Hanging off it. Now, I mean, as I'm sure you can tell, we bloody love this episode. We bloody love it. But we reach out to all of our followers on Twitter to see what you guys thought. And I'll tell you this, I think they love it too. Oh, go on. Oh, do they? Do they? I think they do. Go we on. do. We asked what are some of your thoughts on the episode Stone Earth, and Liam Rice tweeted saying, There are so many moments in this amazing app that I love to tease. Martha, look up the sky. What is it? The line delivery gets me every time. And also Rose serving pure intergalactic model before getting zapped to the doctor. Yeah. That is one of the most iconic one of the best <laughs> funniest poses. I love Doctor that. Who. I love that. William said the Soul on Earth and Journey's End is Infinity War and Endgame for the gays. Can't say I disagree. So true. So true. Sammy says it's the perfect conclusion to RTD's world building, has all the usual elements too, including Trinity Wells. Oh, Trinity. Um, I think she's going to be back as well, you know. I think she's going to be in the 60th specials. It's not been confirmed, but I feel it in my bones. Her news network is. So let's hope she follows. Mm-hmm. Gavin said it's utterly fantastic. All the names in the credits were such an exciting moment. Seeing everyone back was so good, and the end of the episode was a WTF moment. Yes, I agree. Yes, yes, yes. And Matt said a great payoff for the world building perspective. Shout out to the music. The combination of the bopalicious hang on the tablophone, Davros's sinister motif, and the gorgeous rueful fate of Donna Noble is what tipped me into deciding I needed to get the CDs. Now, Absolutely. I mean, you're a soundtrack fanatic. What do you think? Oh my god, bopalicious excellent terminology for hang on the tablophone <laughs> hang on the tablophone is in my notes today to comment on because i it's one of the best tracks in in murray gold's esteemed career with doctor who um <laughs> Bob-licious. and cds funny enough i think i only had the first cd from the soundtrack like the series one and two cd i don't think i ever had anything after mm. that that's probably I never a cd collection i should work on now i think about it i just used I... to well, i mean what can we play cds on nowadays i mean let's oh, be honest it's having it what i like a lot i don't want to go on a tangent is you know the cds they don't do it in jewel cases anymore they do them in like paper cd like yeah card. but i prefer that i love that ah if they would yeah. re-release all of them on like paper mm. They're like tiny it's like a mini vinyl like a yes! mini vinyl tiny vinyls <laughs> like a little vinyl well i mean to kick off the episode with a gorgeous high i think that this episode has arguably the best ever pre-title sequence for a doctor episode like ever 
it has Martha, you've got Torchwood, you've got Sarah Jane, you've got Wilf, you've got Rose, you've got the Doctor, oh you've God. got Donna, you've got the Milkman. It just that it fits milkman. so much. That Milkman, that poor Milkman. It fits so much into the like what two minutes before the titles even start, and it just perfectly like sets off the tone for the entire episode. Completely. The Milkman, I bet, has a TARDIS wiki page. I bet it turns out he's been in about oh my four God, comics. I bet he does. He's probably been Let on me some see, I'm see. He's probably named TARDIS wiki. I'm looking up. Dear listen, we're looking up as we seek. If not, missed opportunity, truly. Oh my goodness. There are four different TARDIS wiki pages called Milkman. There's ah! Milkman from the Dream Eaters, <laughs> Milkman from the Green Death, Milkman from the Survivor, and then Milkman from the Stolen Earth. Let's look okay. at the Milkman from the Milkman Stolen, from Earth. Stolen Earth. please. <laughs> what uh, it's, it says on TARDIS wiki, a Milkman was going about his daily routine on Earth when suddenly he was moved to the Medusa Cascade. Like everyone else on the planet, he reacted in alarm at seeing numerous plants in the sky, but his attention was soon drawn to Rose Tyler, who appeared in a flash. <laughs> so true. So true. I can't describe So true, Bestie. So I, true. Yeah, pre-titles content was stellar. I loved, like... The the second it all starts to kick off, the pace is relentless right up until the titles. I love that. You know, like when we blast across and it's far across the universe. And the first face we see, it's Martha Jones. Action, mm. pace, we are off. I don't believe for a second that we're in New York for these scenes. The <laughs> actual location of this, I'm sure I read something once where they said the actual location of this was... Um, I think it's Let like, me guess, it's in Cardiff. Uh, well, yes, it's South Wales. And I think it's like a traffic surveillance office where like they, like if there's any like a major like road incident, that's where they do like command from, um, which is very funny. And apparently like the room they filmed in, I, I'm sure I heard this. I, so just trust me on it, okay? That someone said they were told like, if we need this room back, you're out. Like the unit dressings, <laughs> the rest of it, if something happens to like Cardiff's traffic, you've got to go. You're out with all of your US flags and the rest of it. You're out, um, which is really funny. So presumably they didn't have an interruption. That's a risky business. That's good. And I, I agree. I love how the pace of it is like, from the get-go incredibly like doof 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 but you do get even in the pre-titles that little pause where like the doctor so caught up what's happening and donna just sort of pauses and says i'm like but rose is coming back isn't that good isn't that and he's good? like yeah yeah, yeah bestie yeah. like i just love they're just best friends yeah they're just i best love friends. it they're such good friends and as well like that's that's kind of like the little audience voice there isn't it as well just like wait but hang on despite all this we have got rose back even right? though we've got rose coming back oh. and i love the build the ridiculously dramatic build too it can't be dad look look in the sky and it's like oh my god what are they looking at oh my god mr smith being like Sarah Jane, I think you should look outside. I think you'll find the visual evidence most conclusive. Exactly. <laughs> Funny comment, because it isn't. It doesn't really explain very much, Mr. Smith. There are stars in the... You know, Mr. Smith's correct answer is, we've travelled across space, not the planets <laughs> came to us. But nonetheless, he's like, you'll find... It the made it more dramatic. It made it more dramatic. Much more dramatic. Um, where do we start with some highs about this episode? You know, we'd love to play this game, um, dear listener, of... Highs, lows, mixed points. Once again, I Look, fear we just. Have I'm not going to lie. I don't think I have a single low for this episode. Mine are highs and highs and highs. So I'm happy to. I'm happy to jump on wherever you want to start. I think a great place to jump on is say, let's talk about Rose Tyler because this is okay. her return, and that is the gag of the centuries that Rose is back. And I is this her return or is Turn Left her return? Well. It's her return, her return to our world for the first time. Yes, yes. You well, know, well, was Partners in Crime her return to the, our world? Oh, 
<laughs> She's returned like four <laughs> times already. Fine. But no, I get what you mean. Fine. I get what you mean. You get what I mean. I <laughs> love even like Donna's line there. So I just met Rose Tyler. I'm just like, oh my God, you did. Like, yeah. My God, like this is happening. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I wish I could capture like that feeling of how like young me must have felt watching that. Like it's so hard now to obviously remember because it was so long ago. I know I would have been screaming at at that fact that yeah. that was happening. No, me too. I remember, I may have said it on the podcast before, but I remember being so excited for when Midnight aired because I knew the next time was going to have Rose in it. So I, I vaguely remember being at my grandparents when this came out and like, I don't remember any particular moment. I, I think the only moment I remember is seeing it say like to be continued at the end and being like, oh my God. But yeah, knowing that Rose was coming back and she was going to meet like all my favorite, like, you know, she's going to meet Donna, she's going to meet Martha, she's going to see the doctor again and Jack's going to be there and all she's this. Like it, it was just so, so much. And I feel like it, we'll talk about it more in the next episode when we look at Journey's End, but there were still so many surprises of people that turned up that like I, I had no idea were coming back. Mm, I kind of love that feeling of like, Rose is about to meet all of our new friends. Like, these are people that we like. And it's like, oh, can meet all mm. our new friends. Like, there's Martha and there's Donna. And it's almost like, and you don't need to be jealous of any of them because he stayed loyal to you, girl. He stayed loyal. <laughs> Except when she's watching the Subwave Network and she thinks that it's going to open up to her and opens up to Martha. And she's like, who's she? I want to get through. Like, it's, I she? suddenly realised that, like, Rose doesn't know who Martha is. Yeah. But Donna does. That's one moment that I really like in that as well. Like, these these teeny, weeny, weeny little callbacks, this continuity, I think, is so satisfying to me. Like, the Donna looks on the screen and it's like, and there's Martha. And I'm like, oh, yes, and you know who's each other, your friend. he? Who's he? Just jumping off of that, like, obviously this episode is accumulation of lots of things that we knew were happening. Like, you know, the stars are going out and Rose is coming back and all this stuff. But there are so many teeny, tiny, teeny little, like connections to the wider universe that just make me so excited for Doctor Who going forward and like we've just come off the back of watching an episode from Flux and I don't want to become a Flux hater but seeing how they do the world building in this era compared to then is so crazy like when they're Mm. on that call Jack says Sarah Jane like I've been following your work good job with the Slovene as a reference to the Sarah Jane adventures later when the Daleks coming into Torchwood uh, they say like we're not going out without a fight like Owen like Tosh and they're referencing what's happened before on Torchwood and like there's other little references like to planets and stuff that we've seen before and it's like this yeah. really is one big connected world and Rose is in the middle of it this episode I love it so much I'll say one last thing about Rose that is really funny to me because I want to talk more as well about the way they've built this um mm. whole kind of interconnected universe and how pleasing that is and how much attention is paid to everyone's personal stakes in in yeah. this as well and like none of that really gets lost in this despite how dense the episode is which is fantastic mm-hmm. um the way rose materializes from a to b and she's always oh, serving God. when she departs and when she leaves ah! it's so always funny. superior pose always superior pose it's just one hand on hip one leg jutted out straight like face like smizing not even smizing mm-hmm. not even a smize just like ah oh. serving quants oh you couldn't see what i did with my mouth but i did it just right like like, <laughs> like rose did model face just model so face. funny every time and then there's shiny yeah. josh beginning beginning the biggest one is definitely when she's leaving uh wilf and silver she's like right here we go wish me luck and he's like oh good luck darling good luck, and she just sits just like, <laughs> like. <laughs> that moment i absolutely yell i re- people who don't even watch doctor who if my flat makes it in i'm like rewind and it's like oh good luck sweetheart <laughs> everyone laughs 
Everyone laughs. Excellent moment. It's just so, so, so good. Right I love prior it, to that as well, right before the subwave network activates on um, Sylvia's laptop or whoever's it is, Wolf's, the family laptop. Rose is just like in the kitchen looking sad, looking at the table. I find that so funny. We pull up from like Sylvia sobbing into Wolf's chest. Like, oh my God, we've, we've lost in the Daleks. And then it's just like Rose just in the kitchen looking so bored. And I'm just like, she's like, what are you doing girl, right we'll sort it out. It's You've fine. got to go. There's something more deep. helpful you could be doing right now. Um, <laughs> back to what you were just saying. Yes, with the world building. The, the world building, but also I think like this is what is so great about rtd writing i think is is he he really gets how to write great believable characters with real personal stakes like Hmm. there's little moments gwen calls reese and it's like Mm -hmm. i love you and there's a little like there's the time given to say that that is what you would do you know it's like it's all going to shit here but i love you call my mother tell her take a pills and go to sleep it's funny Luke yeah. calls his friends and tells Sarah Jane where they are because Sarah would care. Um, Sarah Jane cares so much about Luke. Like, you know, first thing, like, Luke, are you all right? And, you know, Mrs. Smith's like, I'll protect the boy. And she's sobbing when she hears the Daleks because she's like, oh, you're so young. You know, like, there's all of this. Well, I want to talk about that scene in more depth later as well because, oh my God. For sure. And then, like, Martha teleports but ultimately comes home to her mum it's the one place she wants to be is with her family that's always been like her biggest drive is to like protect the people she loves the most her family mm-hmm. and then Wilf like is like oh Donna where are you sweetheart you know he wants to call her so everyone all the way through as you would in a kind of in a crisis situation like the one thing everyone wants the most is to know where their loved ones are and to be with them well even like Donna in the TARDIS, the, like, the thing she immediately realises is like, well, if they've moved the Earth, they've lost the sunlight. They're dead. Is everyone dead? The Doctor's yeah. just trying to like figure out the mystery of it. And she's like, that's my family. Yeah. That's my entire world. Like, are yeah. they dead? And the Doctor's like, I don't know. Um, yeah. But yeah, completely, completely agree with you. Um, I made a note here because I, I just think that the interconnectivity that it takes to put all these people from all these different spin-offs and everything together and make it a cohesive story. This is just a masterclass in writing from Russell. Um, you have all these separate threads and characters that connect, but I think the reason it works so well in this story is because they are all following the same story. And even down to the editing, we are constantly following the stories. So like an issue we have with uh, Flux is that you'd be following one story and all of a sudden you'd cut somewhere else in space and someone's having a completely different adventure. And it's kind of like, a real cut of the pace. There's this amazing sort of sequence of editing that I think when they're all looking at the footage of the Dalek spaceships like bleeping in close to the Earth and Rose is looking at the spaceship on her laptops. That then cuts to Wilf and Sylvia watching the news where they're saying, you know, Dad, mm. come quick, they're saying spaceships. That then cuts to Torchwood looking at the ships on the on the monitor which then cuts to Martha calling Jack to talk about it and it just shows that all of these separate people that are all very loosely connected yeah. are all following the same storyline all, all having the same around the same event from all these different perspectives and they all have their part exactly. to play in that same story and you can kind of then see the threads converge which in flux for comparison it felt like we were saying village of the angels you could have just removed like literally cut out the flux element of that story and it would have made no impact and you could have just told that story in a different episode you, you can't kind of like anything else you'll this. find out later how that links in about three episodes time but for now keep that on the back of your mind <laughs> which isn't satisfying in the same way and also even when you have people taking part in activities in different ways the the emotional journey is is really pleasant as well so like when 
the Doctor and Donna think they've reached the end of the Tandoka scale and there's nowhere more to go. They've like lost the final clue that they had. The last chance they had to find the Earth is gone. And there's this really despondent moment of like, oh my God, like you never give up. Like, Doctor, like say something. Like, oh my God, this can't be it. We can't have mm-hmm. lost everybody. And then we go from that into the other side where people on Earth are just starting to get their plan together. And it's like, okay, they're the ones who are going to save us, not the Doctor. Mm-hmm. It's going to come from us, which is interesting. And it it follows that narrative arc. It's almost like answers the question, like, what are we going to do? Well, this is what we're going to do. The Subwave Network are going to do something. So it connects. Yeah. It still feels nice. It feels like a conversation between those scenes. No, completely. Like, even if people... This is how you do a story where some of it's set on Earth and some of it is set in space and still have them feel connected because narratively, they're all kind of going through the same thing and dealing with the same issues. Emotionally, genuinely, just watching this by myself now, like, what, 15-odd years after it came out, there are still so many moments that make me want to cry. Like, they actually draw like a feral kind of like emotion out of me. Um, the 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 one that's like the rawest emotion, I tweeted about it on Hulala earlier, is the scene where they're all watching monitors and they see their spaceships coming and then all of a sudden you hear exterminate, blast over the speakers. Mm. And I just love it because even more so than the connecting what's happened in New Who, it's really tying it back to the lore of classic Who. And you see Sarah Jane just like go pale. Like it's an incredible performance. And I've been loving seeing everyone online giving Liz Sladen like her flowers for it because she just is such an incredible performer that like she just goes white and she's, and she realizes like these monsters from her past that she thought were gone forever are suddenly like coming to attack her in her world. And she has to like, all she can do is like cling to her son because there's nothing she can do. Mm-hmm. And Jack is they're, they're the people who killed Jack for the first ever time. And you know, he's there with his torture team and they say like, oh, what's go- what, you know, what's happening? What's going on? And he just holds them and kisses them and says, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do. We're going to die. And Martha is there with Unit and Unit are obviously aware of who the Daleks are. And they're like, you know, he says, uh, Geneva declaring an ultimate code red, ladies and gentlemen, we're at war. Like, you really get like the sense this is what i keep saying about how they make the daleks scary because daleks have become kind of a comical villain like they're not hugely threatening anymore this is how you show what the daleks should be like there's no big army there's no big like explosion or whatever like well there is later but they are introduced (laughs) just by one word there's plenty later there's plenty later but they literally are introduced just by one word you don't even see a dalek and you're just looking at the reaction of all these people who know what they are and it's just chilling you know, it's interesting. I'm going to I'm going to disagree a little bit with you on this one because I don't think Daleks are scary and I don't think they were scary then. Dare I say this? So I think that Bitch, Did you see Sarah Jane's face? I saw her face. I thought the reaction was right and I think the reaction was good, but to me it didn't make the Daleks any more scary. Like to me I think it's a, it's it's the right reaction, but for me like the Daleks are not a frightening villain for me for me well and ian if you've got a dalek up your ass you don't worry about your jumper <laughs> do you ian i feel like the reactions to the exterminate over these speakers are stronger than the actual fear i get from the daleks for me the reactions are but really, that's really the like, point i guess but the point is is that you're getting the fear that because you as a viewer aren't scared of the dark like it's not saying that you as a viewer are meant to be scared of the daleks it's saying you as a character are meant to be terrified of a you're dalek. supposed to be but then like the second a dalek comes on screen it's funny to me like to me the dalek is better as a comedy character and there's a te- this is why i, I should be allowed this is why i should be allowed to the show. if you've ever seen anyone do like a funny dub of a dalek 
hysterical because Daleks are good comedy characters. Dalek Khan in this, insane Dalek Khan, my favourite Dalek immediately because he's funny. Like when the red Dalek, the Supreme Dalek is like, the abomination is insane. And then uh, <laughs> the he's like, Dalek Khan is like, the doctor is cutting. <laughs> immediately I'm like, favourite characters. Favourite characters in this. Oh they don't God. scare me. But I don't think that there's, a, I think there's a difference. Between, like I'm not scared of the Daleks, but I feel the fear of the Daleks in this. I don't think that it's meant to make you as an audience scared of the Daleks. I think it's meant to make you as the audience understand how terrifying the Daleks are for the characters. I think that's yeah, what then gets lost in episodes like sense. The Witch is Familiar where like you can then suddenly crawl inside a Dalek and it's, you know, that kind of stuff. I think that like seeing the fear it has in Martha, Sarah Jane and Jack, like that re- that makes emotion come out of me. Not fear, but like I go, oh, I can understand what a threat these characters are, which I agree you then lose as they like, I, as you I do, learn I get that, I get that. But then we have a scene where the Daleks where they'll be like, the males the females the descendants and like immediately i'm like they're funny they're just funny <laughs> or like you know a dalek with a splodge of experimentation paint in its eye you know and it's like oh i, th- I reckon a good splodge of paint in its eye you know i just they're funny or like even a dalek getting shot by captain jack and just a like a, a distant <laughs> funny funny to me every time i i don't know it's like for me like the scariest daleks we had in a in a while recently were actually when we saw in the chibnall era daleks leave their casing and possess someone with a horrible like ugly tentacles that was really really good um i yeah for me didn't find rtd era daleks frightening after the episode dalek in that episode i think the daleks really scary when you have loads of Daleks together, they lose the fear factor for me. I agree with you. When you have loads of Daleks together, you lose the fear. I do think that they're that the, and I and, and again, I don't necessarily mean that they're scary and that I am afraid of them as a viewer or I was as a child. But I think the reveal of the Daleks in series two, I'm so excited to at some point look at Doomsday. I want to like put it off because I I know we're like doing the series four finale now, and I want to put the series two finale off way down the line for Hulala. But when you think this is a Cyberman story and there's the big orb and you think mm. that you know it's something to do with Cyberman and they come out and what happens it's four Daleks yeah. and you think oh my god I know what happened when there was one Dalek and now there are four because I agree with you what the ones who have like hundreds of Daleks like you kind of like they're just tin yeah. soldiers but that I think that there was definitely fear for the Daleks in those episodes yeah I get that that's a story for another time what I will what I will say about that though is uh, I think we should talk about Davros because this is oh, Davros's yes. big return yes 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 um, I think that some of that grossness that you were talking about, about like, you know, the creature within yes. the Dalek casing, you get that with Davros because you do. he, I, I love the redesign they did for him in this. It really just felt like they took the classic Davros and like scaled it up a bit. There's that scene where he says that he grew all the Daleks out of his DNA and he unbuttons his shirt and opens it and you see his just raw, fleshy rib cage and every single Dalek has a piece of his DNA in it to make them like pure Daleks. Yeah. Um, yeah. I... I think that it's such a great return. And what I really love about it is that they didn't just go, and here he is, another big bad, as if like he's another emperor of the Dalek, whatever. They play with his dynamic where like he, and again, we'll talk about it more in Journey's End, but he might not be in charge of the Daleks. He's their creator and they like respect him as their creator, mm-hmm. but he isn't actually the one calling the shots, but he truly sees himself as like 
the god of the Daleks. Yeah. Um, and I and I really, really like that. And again, same point that I made before about um, when they heard Exterminate, as soon as Davros's voice comes through the subway network. And what I love, what I absolutely love is Sarah Jane's reaction and the Doctor's reaction, because the Doctor is reacting from the Time War because he last saw Davros canonically in the Time War and yeah. thought that he fell into the jaws of the Nightmare Child. But Sarah yeah. Jane was there on the day Davros created the Daleks and mm. she just, again, goes cold and she's like, no, but he's dead. And uh, you get a sort of off to that in the next episode which is very exciting but um yeah, yeah I, I really really like how they introduced Davros yeah I agree it was nice that we got like this like tease we get a silhouette we get his hands we don't get the whole thing all at once and mm. it's Julian Bleach isn't it who plays the yeah Davros yeah in this one the voice for Davros is excellent as well it's really cool the modulator effect they put on it as well it gives like a kind of like a raspiness to his voice where he always sounds like he's like kind of sickly yeah and yeah the design for davros in this as well like he truly looks like he looks like a corpse he looks like something that is like like rotting and like Mm -hmm. that ickiness is that's the ick factor i want from a dalek that's the ick you want from the dalek like beneath the like polished bronze exterior is something really horrible like something very like like gives you like a proper like rejection like so um yeah davros fine davros gives me the ick i desired yeah no i get i get that i get that something i really like in the stolen earth and rtd generally we've had this in other finales with like um we have peggy mitchell in the army of ghosts Mm. as well the only spirits i serve in this pub you do the quote better than me the only spirits i'm serving in this pub are gin whiskey and vodka now you heard me get out of my pub (laughs) so good so good and then in this one we get um uh i get richard dawkins first doing his like but it's Mm -hmm. an empirical fact the planets didn't come to us we came to them just look at the stars we're in a completely different region of space we've We've traveled and then you do paula grady because i can't do that one either oh my god when paula grady comes on screen it's like do you know what i look up and there's all these moons and things you see them you see them thought what was i drinking last night furniture polish and then yanto's like yanto time and place it's funny though (laughs) i love it i really like the real world tie-ins you said your parents didn't like it they were like no my parents used to hate it when they put no, when they put like the news and stuff on it, they used to hate it. They'd be like, it, it blurs the lines between reality and blah, 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 blah. I used to love it. And then Blue Peter on every time I was like, oh. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, we did. We used to get, um, who was making the spaceship Matt. cake in? Matt. Was it Matt? Matt Baker. Oh, Matt Baker. Oh, bless him. Mm. Not Gethin. We like Gethin. Not Gethin. Oh. Oh, get them! Get them! Would you like it? And then, obviously, we get Trinity Wells as well. We've talked about Trinity Wells, yeah. but to me, she's a real world tie-in. She's someone I'd like to see uh, read the real news. Praying for a return. <laughs> yeah, Paul Grady, I think, is one of the best cameos they've ever done in Doctor Who. It's so good. Do you remember in series three they had like for the Mister Saxon campaign they had like McFly, yeah. Sharon Osbourne. And what's her name? That MP. They all like they all came Anne back. Whittacombe for, come did it as well. And Whittacombe, yeah. And Whittacombe did it. And she's rather handsome too. The whole of McFly going, We're voting Saxon. We love you, Harry. <laughs> so one place that they go during this episode is finally, I think, to the Shadow Proclamation. It was it was finally. first mentioned in I think it was in Rose in the first, yeah, in episode one of series one. Um and they finally go there. Uh, I love they brought the Jadoon back because if it's going to be some kind of like intergalactic space police force, it makes sense that the intergalactic police are there. Um, I love the design of it. Like, I think it's a really cool shot when they're like panning in and it's got that like center bit and all the different like 
arms that go with different cities on the end of them. Love the references to planets in there too. They reference like Woman Wept and Clom, which are planets from previously in the series. Um, I think it's such a fun little scene. It's fun. Clom? Who'd want Clom? Who'd want Clom? It's funny, the uh, interior of the Shadow Proclamation, after I'd imagined it to be, probably this very like historic, like maybe it all happens in like a kind of stone amphitheater, like some ancient building with like columns it's ultimately just like the inside of a private hospital it's kind of how it looks it's the vibe it's very giving like it, it would smell like a dentist in there well it's weird because then when they bring them back in series nine i remember hating this because it they sh- they film it they actually bring back uh the woman from they the shadow proclamation from this Frizzy episode lady. and yeah and they lady. and they film it inside what looks like an old like museum with again like big Perfect. marble walls and stuff and i i think that's a better fit for the shadow proclamation but i remember hating when it happened because i was like that's not how it looks it's meant to look like a private hospital <laughs> that that location they film in is also a little torture crossover is where owen fights death did you ever see that episode oh like, yeah yeah like yeah, yeah. death itself like he's in a hospital killing people and owen like wrestles it and wins somehow doing that <laughs> they have about no, three funny. staff in the shadow proclamation they have one person doing the tea one person declaring war and someone else just pottering around. Yeah. Although I do like the tea lady. She has that really ominous line, which sort of leads into the next episode, which goes, I'm so sorry for your loss. I mean the loss that's yet to come. God save you. <laughs> I'm going to start doing that to people on the train. I mean the loss that is yet to come. He's going to start with the loss that she's saying. Right before we get to my stop. I mean the loss that is yet to come. God save you. <laughs> But you know then something awful happened to them and they'll be like, he knew. He knew. knew. That boy from Bargain Hunt, he knew. I have another point falling right on from this, actually. RTD writing. Let me sing its praises one more time. No one's really like called us RTD fanboys yet. I guess they haven't felt I think it's because we keep calling ourselves it, so why would people call us out? So we're like, we're self-aware enough. We just don't need you to say it. Like, we know. We know. We get it. We know. Okay, we get it. Even with all the techno babble you get in these episodes... You know, you get like the Tandoka scale transmats, frequencies, a speck of sound on the top. It's quite like the doctor is a over the screen. Yeah, it's quite wordy. But you get a flavor of what's happening. You can follow it because it's like they're chasing bees. Got it. Like they're chasing the bees. Mm. They're following the bees. And the bees were disappearing all series. Yeah. You just get like a sense of what's going on. And the Technobabble is easy to follow. It's not critical. You don't need to know. The Tandoka scale uses the same wavelength as the transmat that moved the Earth. That's not important. The bees were disappearing. The bees were going home. We can follow their trail. Easy peasy. Like I, It's a little thing, but it just keeps yeah. it fun. Well, he said before, Russell, in previous interviews, that like he always got fed up when Doctor Who used to just problem solve stuff in Classic Who with loads of techno babble. Like, we'll reverse the polarity of the neutron flow. Um, because he, he just felt like it was them using like words to just make up a solution to something so i like that when he does use techno babble i think that's a really good point you make that he then has like an allegory or something else that the audience could like more easily follow i actually don't know that certainly not nine but i don't even think 10 ever says reverse the polarity of the neutron flow i feel like it only that that came back with like 11 i was gonna say it was said in the 50th special and it was like, I'm, I'm reversing the polarity. You're reduce, you're reversing the polarity. We're, We're confusing, confusing the, polarity. the polarity. But exactly. I feel like that was very much a Stephen Moffat thing to bring that back. Because I feel like Russell has like said before he didn't like it. Yeah, it, it could be. It could be. Donna's character 
is something else we should talk about in this episode. Mm. Donna feels so different by this time in the story. This was already a change that I think had really started to happen a lot earlier. There's a deleted scene we posted on our Twitter slash X account at Pod. Go and have a look. Um, it's a deleted scene that someone has kind of coloured a bit and they've added a score underneath it because previously it was like that weird silent TARDIS you have in deleted <laughs> scenes. And it's from the Doctor's daughter and it's a deleted scene at the end where... Donna is like comforting a grieving 10 and she has this very mature part about like we remember we go on what else can we do and this whole like bit and it feels like we live so, we live let's find a new world and it's so undonna compared to where Donna <laughs> was you know with what what you're just saying words. <laughs> you know, completely. That's not character. even a proper word. You're just saying word. things. Pockets. But it's <laughs> it's also the same character because you still have, I'm Donna. I'm a human being. Maybe not the stuff of legend. Um, and, but and, every bit of his important time, Lord, thank you. I mean, and she's always been observant. From her first episode, she notices things. You know, there are things that she picks up, you know, because she's like, well, you know, 1,000 words a minute. minute, minute. Um, her confidence seems so fragile though because within the same scene like maybe not the stuff a legend but every bit blah, 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 blah. she you know goes right from that so as soon as she's you know then anxious again about kind of like is anyone still alive are we ever going to find them have i lost all my family and everyone i know it's i'm not used to anyone you know like, oh, they're not getting temps anymore no that's any good for anyone now that everyone's dead how should <laughs> i know and then back on you know the bees you know, bam, like all that spark comes back again. It's great. And it's the doctor who almost like gives her the reassurance. Mm. Like, Donna, you're brilliant. You're brilliant. Yes. What I love about the Doctor Donna's relationship by this point is that they equally need each other. Like we'd already mentioned before that she has to kind of like send him and go, you know, Rose is coming back. But there's a really gorgeous Doctor Donna scene when, uh, when I mean, we'll get to the subwave network in a minute, but when they're on the subwave network and the Doctor hears Davros's voice and he just kind of freezes and tenses up mm. and is, is terrified again. And Donna just kind of touches his arm and she says, Doctor, it's all right. We're in the TARDIS. We're safe. And it's she really like, it feels like they look after each other. Like he gives her the confidence boost that she needs. She looks after him when he needs like a, a, a voice of someone who truly like cares about him. And that they both just like, in a completely platonic friendship way, like truly love each other. And I, and I yeah, really, really love that relationship. They do. I'd heard, again, no source for this. So like challenge everything I say. I say nonsense and spread disinformation. That's why I have a platform. <laughs> um, but apparently one of the reasons they deleted that scene where, you know, like Donna touches the doctor's chest and gives him this like reassurance of like, we go on, we live, what else can we do? We remember was that it was read to feel a bit too romantic and that it maybe undermined mm. the friendly relationship and people were commenting under that and being like no way like that doesn't feel the case at all like that feels very true to their relationship that it's this like yeah I agree. mature loving but platonic relationship between the two of them so maybe they should have kept that in but um yeah yeah i i love their relationship as well like truly i think for a lot of people the favorite doctor companion relationship we had because it, it it was such a different kind of two people making each other better. But mm, I agree. It just being doomed to end. So, and hence, 
you know, I keep forgetting. <laughs> this is why they get more of it in 20 days, which is so insane. Like 15 I, years I know, later. I was watching this and I, I always, because I've been, I've rewatched this two-parter probably more than any other Doctor episode. These are very much like my comfort episodes. And it's just wild to sort of come back to reality and realise we're getting Doctor and Donna again in literally dead. less than a month. It just doesn't feel real, real to me now because it's been, it was announced so, so long ago. And then the filming picks came out so long ago. And then we got the trailer a year ago, more than a year ago now. And we're finally 20 days out. It doesn't feel real at all, does it? It's bananas. It's crazy. It's so crazy. An important part of Donna's family as well, who are also getting back for his final performance on TV, is uh, mm. Wilfred Mott, played by Bernard Cribbins. I love Wilf. I love the humour that Wilf brings. I love Wilf's rebellious spirit as well. Wilf's mm-hmm. bit where he comes out and says to Sylvia, they always want the women. No. <laughs> it's the aliens. I'll bet my pension. I'll bet my pension. And, you know, it's like, Dad, Dad, get back into... The way she's always trying to rein him in as well is so incredibly funny. Back all the way as well to turn that where it's like, oh, Dad, take those off. Be classy. No, Sean, it's Christmas. <laughs> Can- <laughs> Can I tell you just something quickly about Wilf from the doc- that came off the back of the Doctor Donathon? Please. The p- people that I was watching it with, um, they were playing there were loads of games while we were watching. It's like you had to spot Twink of the Week, and uh, they realised that every episode has like a wonky shot. And um, there's a, there's a milf of the week, like like um, they were looking for like the milfiest milf, and they said that they have this phrase in their house, uh, which is the wilfiest wilf. Oh my god! And it's just been a common joke, and and so they were hunting for the wilfiest wolf and the milfiest milf, and I just love that any episode that Wolf's in, he's just the wilfiest wolf. He's, the, he's think, always like, the wilfiest wolf every he's time. The wilfiest wolf, and like him with his paint gun and the naughty webcam and stuff, it just made me laugh because I just now every time I look at him, he's, he's the wilfiest wolf. He's the wilfiest wolf every time. Yeah, I love anyway when she's trying to rein him in, and she's like, "Dad, please, please get back in the house," and she's he's like, <laughs> "Nah, I reckon good splodger plank, man, get him right in the eye." They've only got one. They'd be blinded. They'd be blinded. It's just like, and it's a funny way to give him that like veteran wartime spirit. Like it, it, Mm -hmm. it makes sense as well for the character and the experiences he lived. I, I really, really love Wolf. Yeah, there's a real. I think almost every character I'd say in this episode has a balance of funny and like emotional. And for me, the emotional scene with Wolf is where he's talking to Rose and he he's very clued into what's going on with the doctor so he's trying to get Rose up to speed on like you know the last time I spoke to Donna she was here and I know she was in doing this and Sylvia who's seeing you know aliens and spaceships and planets she's like what are you two banging on about and he just goes she's out there sweetheart your daughter she's travelling the stars that doctor she always has been and Sylvia's still like putting on down she's like oh don't shut up don't be ridiculous and and Wilf just goes like look at the sky look at the Daleks she can't start denying things now yeah. and um, seeing how much he is just always in Donna corner like he pays attention to everything she tells him yeah, he cares yeah. so much about he her. her he loves her so much probably more than her mother loves her is just I, I just I love him so much I love him so so much come on sweetheart where are you mm. speaking about people that love each other and love the doctor I think we need to talk about the subwave network for a minute we do but not everyone in the subwave network loves the doctor some have got a bit of a complicated relationship with the doctor they do i i'm very glad that this episode saw back the return of harriet jones because i do think she needed like a little bit of a redemption I, I know that she is an overall good character and i think she's a flawed character but i also think that she is probably doing what most of us would 
do in that situation where she's like, I'm not afraid to say that the doctor's sometimes wrong and that the doctor won't always be there and that sometimes you have to make hard decisions. And I'm going to make those difficult decisions. I thought this was such a great unexpected callback, such an unexpected cameo, and mm-hmm. also just a very deliberate inclusion, like a really smart inclusion to put in someone that had a real reason to be there. There was a lot of fun in being like, Harriet Jones, former prime minister. <laughs> we know who you are. We um, know who you are. It's great fun, but also bringing back someone who's got that, you know, complicated relationship with the doctor and, you know, has been set up for so long as, or well, one day the doctor's not going to show up. Like one day we're going to be on our own. And this is the day the doctor can't get to This them is the day. Without their help. And if the subwave network hadn't happened and Harriet Jones didn't have this failsafe to reach the Doctor, they would never have found them. No, the Harriet Jones, well, actually, Mr. Copper, I guess, Mr. Copper Foundation from The Voyage of the Damned is the one that really saved the day. There are so many little tie-ins to the Doctor universe. You know, Martha, the reason she teleports is because of the Sontarans from earlier in the series. Like, there's so many different tie-ins. But I just love that there's this, like, out-of-space Zoom call, basically, uh, with Torchwood, with Sarah Jane, with Martha, with with Rose, inadvertently, with Harriet Jones. And they truly are going, like, okay, we know we need the Doctor, but the doctor isn't here. Like we need to figure this out together. And I I just think it's such a great scene and it's a really great way to bring all these characters together before in the next episode, they actually come together. To me, niche point, there's something very plausible about Harriet Jones's house, the setting she's in. (laughs) She looks very former MP with that backdrop. You know, whenever you have Mm -hmm. like during like uh, COVID home interviews, you'd always have like Jeremy Hunt with some like background (laughs) of like, his like lovely wood beam cottage and I was like, I'll see yeah. you, man. But um Harriet Jones has that wood beam cottage and I'm like, that is where Harriet Jones, former Prime Minister, always live. Something about I that attention was design really pleases me. And the music in this scene absolutely bangs. This is the first time we get mm. um hanging on the table. You sound like you're doing a country where like uh yeah like country music if it's served is if very it's served. good no and the whole find me doctor find me find me so good that sounded menacing. me trying to get through to my gp me trying to get through to the gp for sure um and i really like at the end when the daleks file into her cottage you know and there's this whole like explosion behind her and she's ignoring she's just she's just hacking she's busy hacking um <laughs> and then they line up and she's like harriet jones and they're like we know who you are <laughs> it's one of it's my favorite running jokes in doc 2 that everyone knows who harriet jones is one of the best ones but then they immediately find the perfect way to turn that from a funny line into being somber again by going like, oh, you know nothing of any human and that'll be your downfall. I was like, mm-hmm. damn! Like, she has some really weighty lines. There's a bit where they say to her, like, if we open the subwave network, they'll be able to trace it to you. And she goes, they will, but my life doesn't matter. Not if it saves the earth. And you're like, Harriet! I love her. I love her so much. I think she's wonderful. I love Harriet Jones. I love her. I love it. I'll apologize. Listen, did she do a little bit of... <laughs> A little bit genocide. of crime, a little bit of genocide. <laughs> he was the best guy around. <laughs> what about the people he murdered? What murder? <laughs> I listen. She she was tired. She was, and she looked it. The last thing that I really want to talk about for this episode, because there's so much I want to talk about, because it like 
ties into the next episode well like things like mm. we didn't even talk about the osthagen key uh, all that kind of stuff i think that the plays more in journey's key. end the, the osthagen das key yeah i just love ice cream um <laughs> but i i want to talk about the cliffhanger because i think that there are so many cliffhangers this episode uh obviously we've got the doctor regenerating with rose jack and donna that's the big one but we also have sarah jane has had to leave luke to go find the doctor i also think if you if you're kept up to date with where the sarah jane adventures were at this time uh mr smith her supercomputer just tried to like abduct and basically murder luke and there's this really ominous bit where she goes like i have to go and find the doctor and mr smith's like i shall protect the boy and luke kind of <laughs> looks at mr smith a little bit like Oh, like you're what really gonna leave me with this mean? with this babysitter? That so she is on her way and she gets stopped by some Daleks who are about to exterminate her. So she has a mini cliffhanger. Um, Jack, who is very clearly in love with the Doctor, at every opportunity he did it at the end of Torture Series when he does it now. He just abandons the Torture team whenever he has the opportunity to see the Doctor. So he leaves them to go find the Doctor, and then when they're when it's just the two of them, a Dalek is coming to like basically exterminate them, and they're having to really make their peace with the fact that like they're probably gonna die. And Gwen has this really gorgeous line. She's like, "I'm not going out without a fight." Like Owen, like, like Tosh, Owen, like Tosh. And that's so good. And then let's talk about the main, the main, the main deal, the big, the big bang. Ah, the main deal. So we've been teased right up until this moment and Rose keeps missing the Doctor. She's obviously found some way with her dimension cannon to like lock onto where he is and jump across different dimensions to find him. And Mm -hmm. we know from the dimension cannon Big Finish spin-offs that she's in fact visited several other universes to find the right one. (laughs) Um... And it seems that she's got some ability to kind of lock on to the TARDIS, which is, I guess, why she arrived where she did at the start of the episode. And she just missed him and uh, had sent messages, you know, Doctor into the TARDIS. And we'd never seen um, the, and the Doctor never sees them. Doctor. Mm -hmm. And the Doctor never sees them. Finally, the two are going to meet. And we have this gaggy, why don't you ask yourself? Turns around. There she is. End of the street. And Rose's theme. It just goes. And just, dun, oh, dun, just beautiful. Dun. And it's this like moment of calm as well, where it's just them, like so far apart mm-hmm. from each other and just the piano notes and this empty street, no one else around. The other, I love other how world. happy for them Donna is. Donna is so happy for them and they're just running for each other despite all the chaos, everything else is going on. It's just the only thing that counts. And then what happens right before they're allowed to meet each other? Dalek comes out, hits the Doctor, smacks him. And what I like about this as well, this effect, is it it kind of lights up half of the Doctor's body. And mm-hmm. I always kind of read that in my own head to be like, ah, two hearts. Like, they can kind of survive this because of their two-heart system, but maybe that's not true. Um, and down he goes, Jack appears, blasts the Dalek, and they do get the reunions. Long time, no see. Yeah, well, <laughs> I've been busy, you know. And then obviously she's absolutely devastated at the idea that she's going to lose the Doctor again and have to get used to a whole new man. When really, this is this is the Doctor, I think, that she truly, truly, truly mm-hmm. fell in love with. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, and we think we're going to lose him all over again. I mean, what a cliffhanger. What a cliffhanger. What a cliffhanger. I'm trying to find a picture, which I'll, I'll send to you later. I can't find it now. Um, there are loads of prototypes for action figures that they were going to make and they never end up making. And one of them was an action figure of the 10th Doctor mid-extermination oh my God. so there's a picture somewhere and i'll send it to you later of him literally it's a normal 10th doctor figure but like half of him is like glowing green and he has just like a skull on one half of his face and it's quite harrowing and i'm quite glad that they didn't end up releasing this action figure amazing absolutely amazing i've also actually just found this prototype figure i was saying about i'm just texting it to you now the, the uh, i just want a live reaction one. on the pod to what this action figure looks like oh 
That's horrifying, isn't it? You can see his. Isn't oh, it it's awful? horrible. Oh, no. You can, you can see awful. his kidney. What the fuck? You can see. <laughs> That's horrible. Oh, you can see his, like, look at his, like, the you, teeth. You the teeth. See, no, it's the organ I don't like. It's that, like, is that even his, what even organ is? It, I think that's his, like, collarbone, isn't it, or something? No. No, it's oh, collarbone, oh, it's sorry. Bone. His um, oh, hip bone. Okay, that's better. I, I thought that was, like, a bit of intestine. I was like, that's horrible. Okay, you're right, it's a bit yeah. of collarbone. It's, it's still not. bad. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on from that. Let's move on. But no, um, I, I remember being shook when I watched this episode because it's one of the only episodes of Doctor Who. No, next time. Uh, to be continue and there's no next time sort of trailer it was it was a gag shocking gag. absolutely shocking. shocking absolutely shocking um a wonderful episode sam sam did you enjoy this week uh, it doesn't sound like you did so yeah i had a bit of a bit of a shit time with it really no yeah, i loved I, it i can't I, lie to I, you I, I muddled through did you like this episode i loved this episode it's very difficult now because i now like like with many of these episodes right you know it line for line for line i knew words mm-hmm. that were coming up that i didn't even know i knew before they <laughs> come. but it's like knowing the words to a song you just they're just in your head they're and your head, um yeah. it's hard now to actually just like like see it as it is and not just as like this thing that you know it's it's very difficult yeah i of course i love it it's, it's one of the all-time um best episodes i wish i was thinking about this before we did this because i knew we were doing this week's episode i so badly thought i wish i could go back in time and interview my young self right off the back of this like what did you think of this one but um obviously not possible very sad no oh, no. well i'll tell you one thing we can interview because i've got a couple <gasps> questions for you ah! i'm gonna play a little game of camp or damn <laughs> <laughs> Rose is superhero pose every time she teleports camp or damp. Oh my god. So camp, so camp. One of the highest camp things we've ever reviewed mm-hmm. on here on like camp or damp. The superhero model pose, hand on hip, leg, leg out, hand on gun. Um, oh my god. Camp, 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 camp. Not enough so that good. can be said. Camp, 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 camp. I don't have the I don't have the vocabulary for it's it. The campist. The camp. Wilf's paint gun and his naughty webcam, camp or damp? She says they're naughty. I love this so much. <laughs> it's... Oh, is it camp as much as it's like very endearing? It's very... It's very sweet. <laughs> What's that from? I don't remember. It's the that. Great Escape is The Great Escape. Yes, it's very Great Escape. It's very Dad's Army. It's not so Dad's much. Army, that's such it's a good Dad's reference. Army camp? That's a funny one. No, I don't think it's camp, but this is a very good reference for that kind of so, wilf. It's the wilfiest wolf. I don't know if it qualifies for camp, so I'm gonna I'm gonna have to leave that one undecided. Maybe that's one that the Hulala listeners can uh, comment on for us on Twitter and give us. Yeah, you'll have to let us know is it camp or damp. Yeah. Uh, well, here's one that I know I have an opinion on. When Gwen sees the Doctor for the first ever time, and she goes, oh, "He's a bit nice. I thought he'd be older." Be camp or damp? He's not that young. uh what what, what's your take on that since you've got an opinion i think it's so camp i think it's the cat like the world is ending she's got a husband everything's falling apart right at this point in the story i think she was like you know reese wanted a baby in that like like, that's the point of life that she's at she was willing to risk it all he's a bit nice but he'd be older (laughs) willing to risk it all i love that so much yeah as well as camp or damp i also have quite a few fun facts for you this week oh go on go on go on one which I thought is actually a really fun fact is that the weapon that Jack grabs when he's on the way to go meet the Doctor is actually the same gun that he made on Satellite 5 in Babel from Parting of the Ways, the one that he made with Trini and Susanna. Wow. It's a homemade. The same gun. He held onto it this whole time. 
Russell T. Davies had been so impressed with Russell Tovey's performance as Alonzo Frame in The Voyage of the Damned that he was originally meant to be included in this story as well. So he would have appeared when the Doctor and Donna travelled to the Shadow Proclamation and helped them in dealing with the, his superiors there. He'd have been mm. working with the Shadow Proclamation. He would have then gone with them in the TARDIS to the Dalek Crucible, only to be exterminated, oh, meaning that Davies no. could have somebody self-sacrifice without having to kill off one of the main well-established characters. Uh, and he had been planning to do this the whole time, and the only reason it was scrapped is because Russell Tovey later became unavailable for the shooting period. Oh, that would have been devastating. We I love know. Midshipman Frame. We love Midshipman Frame. I guess later frame. it just became Jack, and it was fine because Jack, Jack came yeah. to life. But oh, I think that, that he really would have been sad. the character. Yeah, that Jack ended up dying. I, I think because like we, the only like quote unquote complaint for this era is that there wasn't really a death, like the Dr. Donna death, I guess. But yeah, if, if Mishima Frame had been killed trying to save the Doctor. Yeah, maybe that would have made them feel a little more scary. Uh, also talking about the Shadow Proclamation, it was originally meant to feature a lot more older new aliens, including Sikorax, Hath, Vesper Forms, Krillotain, Gelf, Cybermen, the Isolus, the Grask, the Hoiks, and even a giant adult adipose. This was eventually axed because it would have used up half of the episode's allotted budget in about 30 seconds. <laughs> I love this. It's something that I didn't talk about in this episode, but it's so obvious where they've had to be really choosy with the VFX budget because there is a mm -hmm. shot of the TARDIS flying towards the Shadow Proclamation that I'm fairly sure is the same spinning TARDIS shot from The Parting of the Ways um, <laughs> from Series 1. I'm like, oh, I think I've seen that one before. And the wide shot we get of like the spinning asteroid of um, the Shadow Proclamation, I feel like it was clearly so expensive to make that model and render it just spinning that we stay on that static shot for quite a that shot time. like three times <laughs> yeah and and we never see like nowadays you'd be like panning around it you'd see the TARDIS approaching it you'd see it from above and below and outside and every time we came back to that I feel like we'd re-establish but it's um it's clear we had money for one shot one shot on one <laughs> well, angle when we go back to the Shadow Proclamation in series nine they use the exact same shot of the Shadow Proclamation right. there again sure so I completely agree there well dear listener thank you so much for joining us on this whistle stop tour through Stolen Earth uh, if you didn't get enough of this don't you worry because you've got to come back next week when we're looking at part two I guess part three of the story if you're counting turn left uh, of the finale of series four Journey's End oh my god it's gonna be another whopper so please let us know on all of our socials, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all of the above. What do you think of the finale of this episode, Journey's End? Please reach out to us and let us know. You can find us on all of our socials at Hulalapod. Uh, you can also go on our YouTube channel and rewatch old episodes of the podcast also at Hulalapod. Oh, yes. Um, what else am I meant to say? Oh, yes. If you have a moment, we'd really appreciate if you could give us a rating on this podcast. It really makes a difference for algorithms and such. And also, we just really appreciate it. So if you could go and follow us on uh, wherever you're listening to your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, and also just leave us a review, we'd really, really appreciate that. And if you're feeling really generous, you could even share the podcast with a friend who you think might enjoy it, put it on your story and help us reach more people. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode and we will see you next week when we revisit Journey's End. We'll see you then, my darlings. Bye. Bye.